0: Her death was my biggest turnaround of faith that I've ever had. And now, all these years later, and you know, 30 years is a long time, it's a long time. And I believe that in those 30 years, my faith grew stronger and stronger every day every day and sometimes you would take a step backwards but believing in god it wasn't like that it was like if i took it a step backwards it was a tiny one because when i grew with faith i felt stronger and i felt better hello and welcome i'm tanya reason
1: and this is the gospel according to mom the show where we discuss the transformational work done in us by jesus christ as we live out motherhood and discipleship with him my guest is Carol Slusky. Carol is a mother of two daughters and an accomplished entrepreneur in business and creative arts. She's also a victim of the worst loss a mother can know, the loss of her child. Through devotion and faith, she reached out to God for help to survive the immense mental and physical pain and grief. After 30 years, Carol obeyed a calling to share her journey of learning how to live out life with peace and well-being. Her book, 30, A Mother's Spiritual Journey After Losing a Child, is the topic of our conversation. Over the course of decades, Carol has gathered her expertise, knowledge, and experiences to remain on the path to recovery, to benefit those she loves, and to give help and hope to as many people as she can. In part one of this episode, Carol shares some of the events of that terrible morning in 1992, when she first realized her daughter was not going to open her eyes again. We talk about the early stages of her journey and how her heart remained open to all that God offered to keep her with Him. Hi, Carol. Welcome to the show. It's really wonderful to have you on and to hear your story.
0: Thank you, Tanya. And I'm so grateful that you invited me to be your guest.
1: Oh, it's a pleasure.
0: I look forward to it.
1: It's a privilege. Thank you so much. Um, So we're going to talk today about uh, your – based on on the book that you've written about your experience uh, losing your daughter, Paula, at the age of 24. And your book is 30, A Mother's Spiritual Journey After Losing Her Child. I've read the book and I found it – apart from from understanding your story, it was affecting for me for two major reasons – uh, one of course is that I have two daughters myself, and you said in the book, and I believe that it is correct, that no one can understand what it is to lose a child unless they've been through it. Uh, but I could understand enough from from my vantage point to know that it's it's not something I would ever want to deeply understand in the way that you do. But the second reason is that it really details your approach over thirty years to achieving a, an incredible discipline in your faith. Uh, and, and this was a discipline that you, you say you needed to build up for yourself in order to survive what happened. And in that, I see that you have done two things. You, you have this discipline uh, and you also have embraced God's authority in your life in a very real way That's that, that you've applied in your life. And I think that those two things are really the pillars of discipleship. So I would encourage any of the listeners to read this book to understand not just a, a very um, important human story, but to understand what discipleship looks like when when you're really having to live it out and, and you must live it out in order to survive. So to give the listeners an idea of, of what we're going to talk about today, I wonder if you would be willing to start with talking about where you were in your faith before this event occurred. And this is this is going back really to when Paula was a little baby That was the first time you had a a terrifying event in her life, wasn't it?
0: Yes, it was definitely the start, the beginning of my true faith, because I needed God for the very first time in my life like that. Mm. And that was traumatic. But twice at birth at seven months of pregnancy. I had a premature placenta separation, barely got to the hospital in time before she died. Because that's the placenta comes out first and the baby suffocates. That was my first miracle with her that she lived. The second time was 20 months old. And she could have died. We had last rites, but she was getting very severe infections. You know, being a preemie, they're sometimes not as healthy um, as a full-term baby. And they, they claim that, you know, seven months is pretty dangerous, a period of time. So she lived. Even after her last rites, we prayed. My, her father, Jim, and I prayed. And she lived. And our lives continued on. So, in terms of your faith at that point,
1: was it was it really that event that opened a door for you because you you come from a Catholic faith and um, you'd grown up in the church, hadn't you? Yes, yeah, and yes. Uh, and 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 remained so. And then would you say that this was when a, a really personal relationship with God started
0: to form? You know, my mother was Russian Orthodox when my dad married her. And she converted after she had three daughters, she mm-hmm. converted. And I was about two years old when I, I'm going to estimate, about two years old when my mom, you know, had us baptized. You know, she, uh, my I, I'm in the middle, middle child. And then I had a younger sister, Paulette, and an older sister, Diane. So there are three girls. My father was a devout Christian, devout Catholic. He was the man that went to church morning would walk a mile, 10 miles to get to church, and he always sat in the back of the church, the last Mm -hmm. pew, and I honor him today by always sitting in the last pew when I go to Mass. My father died at the age of 56 from a a heart attack, and uh, that was very early, Mm -hmm. but he left me with so many beautiful thoughts, and I incorporated them into my book. To explain how my dad told me, my sisters, about heaven and God, Jesus, and Mary. Yeah. And that stuck with me all all these years. My faith in God was always there. But, you know, it was like I, I look back and I could tell when I was young, let's say before 20. I got married when I was 20. So we'll go before 20. Of course, I believed in God. I went to church every Sunday. I honored the commandments. It was good to my mom and dad. But I see so clearly where I didn't really believe because I had nothing to base it on. Mm -hmm. Belief is something that truly is something that comes into you when something happens to you. Mm -hmm. And you need God. Right, yeah. I just get chills when I think on how I needed God. Mm. And that's why I am doing this podcasting and why I wrote my book, is to share, to share with other moms and dads. If you're hurting so badly, you have nowhere to go. Go to God. God. That's where you go. You yeah. go to God. Yeah,
1: that's what comes through really clearly in your book. There's a few things that, that I want to talk to you about, especially how you, you don't appear to have been angry with God at any point, and that I think is a, is a wonderful thing, and we're going to explore that a little bit later. But before we do, why don't we talk about what happened in 1992 with your daughter Paula at the age of 24? Would you like to describe the event?
0: Mm -hmm. Well, first, I was uh, divorced from her father for a period of four years, and I had met another um, gentleman. I fell in love with him. His name is Denny. He's a very big character in my book because Denny happens to be, even up to this day, my Mm Band-Aid, my my strength, my human energy Mm -hmm. to get me through the hard times. And I was... We were planning on getting married. We had everything set and my daughter passed away at the age of 24, uh, two weeks before we were going to get married. So this was kind of like a write about the bittersweet. Uh, the bitter was uh, trauma of her death. The sweet was the love I had for a man that wasn't her, her father, but yet stood by me to help me and, She died of a pulmonary embolism. It was sudden. There was no warning of it at all. And I remember that morning so clearly. And I'll always remember it because it was the worst day of my life. It was like a living nightmare. I had a doctor call me at 7 a.m. in the morning telling me that my daughter was In the intensive care unit, she had surgery, said that she had pulmonary embolism. They operated on her to get the blood clots out, and they had her on life support. So he encouraged me to get to the hospital as soon as I could. So that started the beginning of my nightmare, and um, everything was out of my control. Yeah. Probably, Tanya, the, for the first time in my life, as being a mother to Paula, this was one of the big times that I had no control over what was going to happen. Yeah. And, of course, I prayed. I prayed. Danny prayed. Her sister, she came home. She prayed because she was living out of state. We all prayed. So for 48 hours... They had her on life support. I knew that I'd have to come to this, the decision to disconnect her. Mm. And that would have—that was a very big decision, I thought. But then after sitting there for 48 hours, observing her, seeing that her eyes were dilated, she had her brain waves flatline. She was bloated. The biggest part of all of it is that I could not feel her soul. Mm. Could not feel her soul. And people ask me, how do you know that you couldn't feel her soul? What does the soul feel like? I can't explain it. Mm. A certain energy, something. It was like she was just a a vessel, an empty vessel. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And in some ways, I suppose, did that make it easier for you to make the decision? You knew that she wasn't there in that body anymore. I mean, that's that's a difficult thing to answer, isn't it? Because there's so much else that you're feeling at that point. But going from decision to decision, was that that clarifying things for
0: you? Recalling the end of the 48 hours when it was time for me to sign the papers to have her uh, disconnected. I have to really be honest to you and to the lovely audience that I had no trouble whatsoever signing. Mm-hmm. I did not want my baby, my child, to be a vegetable yeah. for eternity. Mm-hmm. I, at that time, truly believed that she was not there anymore. Yeah. I believed. She took a mini trip to heaven because I know she came back to me at the funeral. Mm. After they disconnected, I should even say, I felt her presence. And I don't know how or why I felt those feelings, but they were there. And I never had anything like that again in my life Mm. to feel a soul that wasn't in her body, but yet to feel her presence around me Mm -hmm. when they disconnected her. Yeah, yeah. And I've, I've heard of
1: that before. Many people who have lost loved ones have said similar things, that they've either been aware of their presence or thought that the person was in the home for a brief period and then realized that they couldn't have been, things like that. I'm sure that things like that do occur. It's interesting what you said, that you had no feeling of control in this instance because that's quite a stark difference to when Paula was nearly two and you were taking her to the hospital and you were there through the whole process of the medical attention that she was receiving as a baby and and even prior to that during pregnancy, you were very much involved. But in this instance, you said that no one could even get in contact with you to let you know that Paula was in hospital. Right up to that point, you know, you you say, I I was wondering why I didn't know about this until the next morning when she'd gone in at at 2 a.m.
0: Well, I had just moved into Jenny's home. I sold my townhouse. Yeah. And um, I moved just that week. Um, In fact, like two days before Paula died, I signed the papers to my townhouse and... So I was living there and, you know, back in 1992, we didn't have the cell phones and Paula had the phone number, but Tim, her fiance, he didn't have it. Mm. So he didn't know how to get a hold of me because I had moved and my landline was disconnected. Yeah. And Paula didn't give the hospital any information, as to who to call. Mm. So they didn't. It together, But someone did because I did get that call that morning. I honestly don't know how they found me, Mm. but they may have found me through my husband because he was a well-known local dentist in town. And they might have tracked him down that way because they did call his landline. Okay. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It seems like you were, you were just lifted out of the situation entirely. It was almost as if there's not going to be anything that you can do. About this now. So I'm just going to take you right out until it's time for you to be brought back in again.
0: I want to make a comment. Yeah. You're saying. Now, I haven't done 100 podcasts yet, Mm -hmm. but I'm over, I think I'm close to 10, if not 10. Yeah. You are very observant in reading my book. I thank you for that. It's my pleasure. Because you've observed that in me, what happened. Mm. Not too many people observed that. And I'm very comfortable with you asking me questions because mm, I think you read that book very clearly. Yeah. yeah. Oh, there's,
1: there's so much in there. There's more than we could ever talk about in, in the space of a podcast that's going on there. And that's why I really encourage people to go and read it, especially after listening to this and, and understanding more deeply. It's difficult to draw conclusions especially about somebody else's life about what God might be doing but it does it does seem to me that that was that he is he is so loving you know especially as mothers we want to do things don't we to to change outcomes or to solve outcomes especially when it comes to our children the urge to rescue is very very strong uh, unavoidable and you say that later when we talk about when we're going to talk about Mary, um, Jesus's mother Mary, and how you feel certain that if she'd had the choice, she would have taken his place. Just you know, viewing it from a mother's point of view. But God is so loving. I think sometimes He just protects us from ourselves when He's about to He's about to do what He wills, and He knows that we can't be involved in that. He does seem to protect us, doesn't he? Yes,
0: yes, absolutely. Absolutely. I totally felt that. Mm. I had no anger in me Mm. at all. That is amazing. None whatsoever. In fact, her death was my biggest turnaround of faith that I've ever had. And now, all these years later, and you know, 30 years when I started writing the book, it was 30. Now it's 31, but 30 Mm -hmm. years is a long time. It's a long time. Mm -hmm. And I believe that in those 30 years, my faith grew stronger and stronger every day, every day. And sometimes you would take a step backwards, but believing in God, it wasn't like that. It was like If I took it a step backwards, it was a tiny one. Because when I grew with faith, I felt stronger and I felt better. I had to be strong because I wound up getting a lot of illnesses. I almost died twice from my heart disease that approached me and entered my body. I've had so much poor surgeries on my back, my neck, multiple sclerosis, fibromyalgia tremendous pain mm. i got through it because i wanted to live so the course during i kind of it out better than what i'm doing now in the book because you know in fact when i first started writing the book Danny, i couldn't remember a lot right because of the ms mm-hmm. it scars on your brains and the brain and So there were parts of my daughters growing up that I could not remember, but I had pictures. So I would look at the pictures and that gave me even more strength. But amazingly, it was like a miracle that every day that I wrote, a doorway would open, a window would open and whoosh, I would get a memory. Mm -hmm. So I was all over my thoughts in that book, Mm -hmm. my manuscript was a mess <laughs> because I had her age at two he- two years old here and then twenty years old the next page. So it, at the end of the book, I think it took me a couple of months just to piece it out and put it chronologically yeah. to make sense. Yeah. yeah. But that's the writing I wrote when I felt like thinking about things mm-hmm. when I was strong enough and when the thoughts came in. And I'll mention this. I don't want to take too much time here on certain things, but the writing of it, this is important. I used to write and then I'd come up, my office is upstairs. I'd come up to my little office and I would read what I wrote. When I got done that, that the day before writing, I never would sit there and read it because mm-hmm. I was too exhausted. So I would, the next day would read. And I would say, like every day, who wrote that yeah. It's so beautiful. Mm. who wrote it but I know who wrote that. Mm. I know who was there with me. It was our Lord mm. the Holy Spirit yeah I truly now at the age of 78, proudly going on 79, living through all this, I truly believe that my intuition, my gut feeling is the Holy Spirit talking to me. Mm-hmm. I have grown to open my heart and my my soul to feel what he's saying to me. Yeah. And I'm so passionate about it. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. That's one of the things that really,
1: really struck me is that all, all through this, and there are some remarkable things that have occurred in your life, as God has has led you through this. But the thing that really struck me is that whatever came to you, you have accepted. And I'm I'm not sure if there's everything that you've deeply analyzed or tried to, to work out what was going on. That's probably me talking because I like to analyze and pull things apart. But I'm when I read what you've wrote, I think actually, Tanya, that's probably not the right way to do it. Just accept. What comes to you? That's that's the feeling that I got from you, that you have accepted. You know um, some amazing blessings that have come, and taken that as God's help and His comfort, and that has led you on to to the faith that you now have. Would that be accurate? That it's it's best just to receive His blessings.
0: Yes, if you can get to that point, and here's what I'd like to say to you your followers, your audience, these lovely people that have the feelings of pain in them, and they they are looking for a place to go. Well, first of all, your place to go, my dear good people, is to God. Mm. You will find comfort there, yeah. and you will find the strength. But what you have to do is you must, you must use what he gave us. What did he give us? Free will. He gave us free will. That's what came to me. When I got to a point after she was buried, she was gone from the face of the earth. My habit of loving her, and you know I wrote about Mm, the habit. Yeah, Habit's a big part of our grief. Absolutely. The inner circle, the family, the family circle, all of it. There is so much to write about. There is so much to talk about. You Mm. can't get it into an hour. No. (laughs) I found that my belief in knowing that I was being told by God to do what I'm supposed to do to relieve this pain, I said, I'm going to do it. Mm. I'm going to do it for me. My baby is in heaven. She's okay. But what about me? I've Mm. got another daughter. I have a lovely husband. I've got my mom I love. I've got two sisters. I have friends that love me and I love them. I had a nice life. I don't want to go away. I don't want to leave that them yet. Yeah, Yeah. I must fight. I must fight the illnesses. I must get healthy. I must stay healthy. I must do what I have to do. Discipline, yes. I called it my book structure.
1: Yes, you did. You outlined that. And that's, that's excellent. I'm just going to roll us back a little bit because there's a couple of points there that I want to talk about. And the first is you said this amazing thing that doesn't get said very often these days, especially with a lot of different ways of, of preaching the gospel. But you say this, my life was not supposed to be perfect, spectacular, or completely wonderful and beautiful. That's amazing because... That's kind of what we hope is going to happen and we kind of expect God to provide that. But the thing about it is, is that you said, I've been given this road to walk. I didn't ask for it, but I want it. And then this is the key thing. You said it's not God's fault. And I've been thinking about blame and fault lately. And I really think that our impulse to point the finger is really something that, that keeps us away from God. Would you agree with that? It seems like you with, you blamed no one.
0: With so many people that I've met, uh, especially over the last 31 years, in, in regards to talking to moms and dads that have lost a child, um, some of them have really blamed God. And I, I think that's what I home in on with them as to why not to blame God? Why not to? Because you have to stop. first thing you have as a parent, you have to ask yourself, why did I birth this child? Mm -hmm. What reason was she or he born? That's a deep question. Mm -hmm. And it's a very hard one to answer. And you have to pray on that. Mm -hmm. I prayed on that. I prayed to God, tell me, why did I have Paula? Why didn't she live after she almost died twice? What was the purpose of that? Well, the purpose of that was for me, for her mother. Yeah. That God gave me 22 more years of her life. And I grew along with her. But her purpose, being my daughter, I believe was to make me a better person. Mm. It's really simple. To make me a better person. I was asked, what do you think is the best thing that happened out of your motherhood with Paula? And I didn't didn't even have to think about that. It just came out. I said, oh my gosh, that's just such a wonderful question. It's because it taught me how to give. Mm. It taught me how to give. Not to, and I'm a worker. I love to work. Yeah, I like to make money. I always like to make money, but I felt differently about that after Paula died. I love to paint. I love to give my art away. I love to take care of charities. I, I, I just, if I have a cleaning lady, I have beautiful clothes sometimes to give to her. I love to give. That is what changed me. Yeah, you've
1: you've I mean, all of that comes from one of the most wonderful things you said in the book is to is to love God. To love God is to love those around us. And something that and just on the subject of love, I found it very interesting that you said the the idea that you would stop loving Paula or sort of try and move on by forgetting about her was absolutely insupportable. And so there's a part of me that thinks That would be an unbearable pain to continue loving someone who is gone. But you say it's essential that you continue loving someone after they're gone. Can you talk a little bit more about how that takes shape?
0: Absolutely. Well, first of all, if you stop and you block that love that you had while she or he was alive, what happens is you block God out. That's the beginning of blocking God out. That's the that's the U-turn you're making. That's not a good U-turn. Yeah. You're going the wrong direction. If anything, I encourage you to love your child even more. Even though they're not on the face of the earth, they are nearby. They are in heaven. Mm-hmm. That's where I wanted to go. Yeah. My goal in my life, Tanya was to get to heaven when I die. And there's so many things involved with that. We'll get back to the habit. There's nothing that you can do for her. There's nothing that you could buy her. There's nothing that you could cook for her. There's nothing that you could take her a place on vacation. What is there to do for her? You have to continue to love her. You have to continue to keep that love alive because that's part of your healing that makes you heal because it makes you happy that you're doing something for your child. What is it for me? It was the rosary. Right. Yeah. That was my tool. Hmm. Now there's, I know there's, there's Christians that don't believe in Mary. That's fine. You believe what your heart and your soul wants you to believe. For me, I'm Catholic. I was brought up with Mary, but Mary is not divine. Mary is a human. Mm. She's a saint now. She's a, She is Jesus' human mother. He grew in her. She gave birth to him. So I accepted Mary as my mentor. And I did a chapter three is the heart of my book. Yeah. It's yeah. the heart. I had no idea when they put that book together in publishing. Chapter three is right in the middle of yeah that was not planned it's it's so interesting
1: and and i hope that you will i hope that you will accept my utter honesty here that is meant with with love and respect I, w- I want to ask you questions and forgive me if they seem like stupid questions but i want to explore this with you because there are some amazing things that that appeared to me i'm i'm not a catholic and i didn't grow up Um, with the rosary or or praying to Mary. But I can see so clearly, you say that God led you to Mary and I can see the obvious there is that here was a, a mother, someone that you could relate to who had also lost their child in the worst way and she could be a mentor for you. So, of course, what a comfort it seems to me that that he gave you that as just a comfort. Here is someone for you to look to. Would that be accurate, do you think? 100%. Mm. You nailed it. Yeah.
0: Absolutely.
1: Because you saw so many wonderful things in her as well. Some some of the, the beautiful things, one of them was that Mary would have been an amazing evangelist because, of course, she she loved Jesus as her child as well. And you said no one can talk about their children with as much love as a mother. And I thought you're absolutely right. And surely that's a model for all of us, if we love Christ, to be able to talk about him as we would as a mother. Look at this wonderful person. And these are all the wonderful things he did. And, of course, she would have other stories and things. But I thought that was beautiful
0: when you said that. Thank you. Yeah, That that was me talking with the Holy Spirit (laughs) because I did feel that. I felt that for so many years afterwards. My gift to my daughter, Paula, who was dead and no longer on earth and now in heaven, was saying the rosary for her soul, for her soul. That was my gift. That is the gift that Jesus gave to me through his mother, Mary. Yeah. The rosary is nothing more than the story of Christ's life yeah. and his death and his resurrection. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That is what it is. So how could I deny the rosary when its every bead means something to me? Yeah, it's an amazing thing.
1: I didn't know what the rosary was, but I researched it after I read your book 'Cause again, I'm not I'm not a Catholic, and I see that it's it has so much value to go through the life of Christ constantly and to be praying on that and and the discipline of it, to be praying on that, because surely you of all people would would agree with me that to follow Christ requires discipline, doesn't it? It's a yeah, serious absolutely. thing. It's we're talking life and death, aren't we? It's a serious thing. Yes,
0: we're talking about seeing your child again. Mm -hmm. That right there gives me hope. She is my mentor, and Christ gave me a gift of her. Mm -hmm. It's very simple. Do you know, Tanya, that I don't miss a day? I've gotten up. I learned not to say the rosary too late because I'll go to sleep. <laughs> but so I try to do it, you know, either before dinner or right after dinner yeah. or whatever. And now at my age, I'm in bed at nine 930. Mm-hmm. And then I read a little bit. And believe it or not, I, I still read my book that I wrote. I read it. I've read it over and over again because I have to be on top of it with the oh, podcasters. Right because there is a lot in there. Yes, there <laughs> yeah, I yeah. forgot about that. Yes. I don't really say that. Yeah. That is really beautiful. You know, yeah. gosh, I don't know if I could do that again. But which I'll get right off the subject on that point is that on my website, I'm doing the blogs. Mm-hmm. And these are write-offs of my life and my feelings and my talk about God and everything else that's involved about healing on my blog. So I'm doing those. Every week I'm trying to put a new one up there. Mm -hmm. And just started doing this. But again, it's very, it's exhausting for me because I'm keeping her memory so much alive that when I get my energy level up, I'm real happy. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Because it is, it is, it's my grand finale of healing right now Mm. that I'm in. This is my grand finale. Thanks
1: for listening today. You can find out more about the show, our guests, and subscribe and download through all our channels by visiting thegospelaccordingtomum.com. In part two of my conversation with Carol, we talk more about ways to pray and reach out to God, her relationship with her mentor, Mother Mary, and how to find and trust God's voice in all seasons. In the meantime, be encouraged, friend. And remember, the God who taught you to love will not leave you as you walk with him more and more at your own pace. I'm Tanya Reason, and you've been listening to The Gospel According to Mum. Till next time.